It is the 200 level episode 218. It's basketball season, and thank God for that. Mike Carpenter here in the basement on a Monday evening, getting over the side effects of my booster shot. Got the booster shot just being in the schools and you know seeing 100 plus kids a day, being in a high risk job like that, and got it Sunday afternoon before the Bears played like the Bears usually do against the Packers. And I'm kind of coming out of this sort of dreamlike state that I have after having not just like the COVID vaccine, but the the flu shot sometimes as well. I didn't really get sick with this one, but I did have some kind of woozy moments, a few chills overnight. Nothing a few Tylenol couldn't kick, but now I am finally awake. And I was even thinking today, okay, am I going to have enough juice for an Illini sports podcast? I think I do. I think I do, thankfully, because Illini basketball is starting, and on Saturday night, we will be back in the State Farm Center to watch the Illini basketball team against, what, St. Francis, PA, or is this the St. Francis, Indiana? There's a couple different St. Francis's. This is the one from Indiana, I think, on Saturday night, 8 o'clock, and it renders the Illini-Penn State football game rather meaningless, as if it wasn't meaningless already. We will get into Illini football talk later. I want to start with Illini basketball because, for one, it's a heck of a lot more fun. And for another, this is kind of our bread and butter, if I'm being honest. You know, we've had fun on the podcast before during the Lovey Smith era when there was plenty of things that we could point at and laugh at for how ridiculous and how ridiculously bad they were. But this is not a fun kind of bad. I don't really have a lot of catharsis or anger to direct towards this football program. I just have apathy. And this is not the first time I felt apathetic, but... Case in point, the game on Saturday against Penn State, I couldn't care less. I think that's the correct way to say that. I could not care less. Yeah. The game's at 11 a.m. on Saturday. If it's a nice day, I got other things to do. We are not going to be doing a live podcast for that because there's no need to. This is just another in a long line of Illini football games that we know what the outcome is going to be. The question is, how big is the margin going to be? And it's not going to go well against a Penn State team that even if Clifford isn't starting, I don't think this Illinois football team can score at all against Penn State. That will be the question. Will they score against Penn State? They did early last year in that ninth game out of Happy Valley. Rod Smith is your interim head football coach, and I think you took a 21-14 to lead, kind of like you did back in 1994 when it was Kerry Collins, Kaijana Carter, and Bobby Ingram that came into Champaign. But no, we know how that game ended, and I think this one will end somewhat similarly. So thank God, 8 o'clock Saturday night, we got St. Francis, Indiana, heading into town for an exhibition game. I don't know if it will be a sellout, but I got to think there'll be more than 10,000 people there. Um, excuse me, voice cracking there. Um uh, just with the excitement that is surrounding this basketball program, but also the first time that we've been in the State Farm Center since Illinois, Iowa, March 8th, 2020. And we all know what happened after that. To me, it will be a bit of a homecoming. This is a place that I've been since I was a wee lad, three, four years old, going to Illini basketball games. My earliest sports memories were, were all Illini basketball. And to be able to get back to it after this extended absence from being able to see this team perform live. And even in a game where it doesn't count, there is star power on this team. And I consider myself very lucky 
to be able to see Kofi Coburn in person again, to be able to see Andre Corbello in person for the first time, to give proper due to Trent Frazier and DeMonte Williams as they finish up their sixth years at Illinois. So this is going to be, or fifth year for Trent and sixth year for DeMonte. So this is going to be a lot of fun. And now that we get to sort of turn the page to basketball season, you will see the frequency of podcasts go up. You know, I said, I know I said last week there'd be a midweek podcast. I just didn't have anything to talk about. You know, I mean, Illinois football had a bye week and we could talk macro with Illini football, which we will later because Brett Bielema sort of addressed that at his press conference today. But really, this is an Illini basketball fan base. And until football actually gives us something to latch on to, you know, there's not much to say. I, I don't know how much I'll talk about them going forward. They might beat Rutgers, maybe Minnesota. I mean, I don't count on them winning another game this year, to be honest. But with Illini basketball, exhibition game on October 23rd, and then we have, what, the first game November 9th against Jackson State. So we're close. We're right there. All right, before we get too far ahead of ourselves here on this episode of the 200 Level, got to remind you that we're brought to you by DPDO online at dpdo.com. For all the best deals and prices, order online at dpdo.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. They are celebrating their 15th year. It was between my freshman and sophomore year at the U of I that these guys opened up, and Steve and the folks at DPDO have been making quality calzones. It is the best bang for your buck for any food place in Champaign-Urbana. I stand by that. So get a celebratory calzone after an Illini basketball win, of which there will be many this year, online at dpdo.com. Also, 4th and Kirby, online at 4th and Kirby.com. They have plenty of vintage-inspired Illini apparel, including basketball t-shirts. I got four or five of them that will be on rotation for this basketball season. Go online to 4thandkirby.com, and you will see that a lot of these designs come from like old Illini basketball and Illini football programs, very heavy on the 70s and 80s aesthetic, which is right up my alley. Great quality t-shirts and uh, should be a part of any Illini fan's closet. That's 4thandkirby.com. Rector Construction, online at R-E-C-T-O-R-Construction.com. For all your home exterior needs, these guys are the best. Expert craftsmen. They have great customer service, and that's tricky when you're trying to get into home remodeling stuff. Uh, It's something you can never really count on, contractors and things like that. No, Rector Construction, they are really good at this. They'll let you know when they're going to be there. They'll let you know when you're going to have the job complete. Um, And that's rare for anyone that's gotten this kind of stuff done before. So that's R-E-C-T-O-R Construction. Dot com. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian and his staff will hook you up with great customer service and super low State Farm prices. I can speak from experience. Our homeowners auto bundle, it's a deal, as you would expect from State Farm. And Brian is super easy to work with him and his staff. So that is brianismyguy.com. Com. All right, got to thank Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network for being partners with the 200 level and you, the listeners, for sticking with us through a paltry start of the football season. And now we get to have fun. If you haven't already, rate and review us online at Apple Podcasts. Drop us a line. Even if you hate us, you can leave us a one-star review and tell, you how, tell us how much you hate when Carp gets on a soapbox and how annoying he can be. I'm totally fine with that. Illinois basketball. Looking at Ken Palm. Fifth in the nation. I think that's about right. And you guys know how high I am on this team. I've said before that I am higher on this team than last year's team. 
If I'm being honest, a big part of that is assuming that they will go deeper than the second round in the NCAA tournament, and that alone will qualify for a more successful season. I also think that they are in prime position to win the Big Ten. I think they have the ingredients that you need for it. I think that there is no point guard I'd rather have in the nation than Andre Curbelo. And I don't think that's hyperbole. I'm trying not to be a prisoner of you know, our experiences watching that guy play, but I really do feel as if he is poised to be a superstar this year. And the kind of guy that when you look at teams that make deep tournament runs, there is always that guy. Now, Corbello wasn't quite ready for that last year, though if you remember the Loyola game, he was one of the few guys that actually had some energy out there. The, the rest of the team was re- relatively lifeless, but it was Corbello and actually Kofi that uh, tried last year against Loyola. Well, those are your one-two punch, the dynamic duo, uh, inside-outside game that I don't think any Big Ten team can match. Michigan continues to get a lot of love. Now, they were sixth in the AP. Illinois was 11th. Michigan and the Ken Palm, second. And Illinois, fifth. So Ken Palm knows what they're talking about, though I still feel like, and again, being a prisoner of that head-to-head matchup, I think that Illinois is the tougher team. That is not to say that Michigan can't win the Big Ten. And I'd have to go into a deep dive of their conference schedule to see, okay, who gets the single plays, who has the more favorable schedule. But I'm still looking at this Illinois team as the best in the Big Ten. There is, of course, Purdue, which oddly enough, Purdue, you would think, would have one of the top defenses in the nation. They do have a top 20 defense, according to Ken Palm, but the number two offense That kind of surprised me. That's not typically what I think of Purdue. Meanwhile, Illinois, the 11th best offense, according to Ken Palm, the second-ranked defense. This will be the one concern. If we're talking about Illinois this year and where they may take a dip, you do lose some size in the backcourt. Io, 6'5", what is it, a 6'10 wingspan, and a very good defender. Trent is a great defender. We know that. Great on-the-ball defender against smaller guards, but he can have trouble against some bigger guys. Curbelo, he got better as the year went on. I think he could make a jump. We'll see with Plummer. I don't know much about him as a defender. We know DeMonte can give you a lot of good minutes and can even match up against the likes of of an EJ Liddell. But I do think that you will need some help from the wings, and we'll see uh, if Grandison's role changes at all, though I think that he will very contently sort of slip into what he did last year. I think Hutcherson is someone to look out for as a defensive guy. And then you have the Omar Payne factor down low. When he's in there to spell Kofi, I don't think you lose nearly as much as you did last year when it would be Georgie playing some spot minutes at the five. Uh, Who else? Oh, yeah, Coleman Hawkins, I think, can make a jump defensively as well. So I I could see where on certain parts of the court, you will be just as good, if not better, defensively. It really comes down to without Io in that lineup. Iowa was so good on offense, but really defensively is where he's going to find his niche in the NBA. That's what he really took a step with last year. But here we are, Illinois 5th in the Ken Palm, 11th in the AP poll. I think Illinois is definitely better than 11th in the country, but I think the AP voters probably look at what happened in the Big Ten last year and think we are not getting bamboozled again. I do think that the fortunes will change for the Big Ten. I mean, law of averages suggest that they're going to have a better NCAA tournament this year than last year, right? It's just bound to happen. And I know that's a very low bar to clear, but I do think that you have between Michigan, Illinois, Purdue, and Ohio State, you have four teams that are capable of making deep runs. And I might even throw a Maryland, 
Michigan State being what they are and what we've seen before with Izzo's teams, and maybe even an Iowa, which will have to make some changes this year with a couple of losses, including Garza, but they still will have a pretty tough team. This is a top-heavy Big Ten. This is a Big Ten that I think Illinois will win, ultimately. And when I think, well, why is that? I think they have two of the top five players in the Big Ten. If I were to go to Michigan and we look at what they kept and what they lost, they still have, of course, Hunter Dickinson, um, but they did lose Mike Smith. And I don't think we should discount the fact that Mike Smith, at point guard, was very, very important to what they did offensively last year. You have the freshman, a great class coming in for Juwan Howard. You still have Eli Brooks, but you don't have Isaiah Livers. You know, I think there are enough question marks about how you replace Livers, Mike Smith, and was it Chandi Brown? Right. Those were really good players on a team that finished, what was it, third in the AP, fourth in the AP. They got the one seed in the tournament just like Illinois did. I don't think you can overcome that. In fact, I look at this team, this Michigan team, and think that they will have some growing pains similar to what we saw with Illinois last year, where you have the veterans coming back in a Dickinson and Eli Brooks. Those are the mainstays that you can count on. But some of these younger guys are going to be thrust into media playing time. Now, that doesn't mean they won't be super dangerous when it comes down to it in March. I assume they will be. But again, back to this being prisoner of what we've seen as Illini fans. As good as Michigan has been, Jawan Howard has still not beaten Illinois. He has still not beat Brad Underwood. That could change. And I could be eating plenty of crow this year, and then Michigan gets both wins. But Somehow, I look at this matchup between these two teams, and I'm taking Illinois at least at home, and I I don't think you're going to get worse than a split against Michigan. Purdue, that is a tough matchup that we saw that Illinois had success against Purdue recently. I think you probably split that one as well, just making sure that's not a single play. Maybe it is. Let's see as I look at this here. Yes, you do play them twice. Of course, at home on Martin Luther King Day, that's the lunchtime tip, I think 11 a.m., and then on Thursday, February 10th. So you do get two games against Purdue. You get two games against Michigan. And let's see, Ohio State, the same thing for Illinois. Mm, Just one single play, and that's at home. That is a scheduling break right there because I want no piece of Ohio State at Columbus. I I don't want any of that. We saw last year how uh, heart attack-inducing that game was, and, and that's just a bad matchup. E.J. Liddell is just not a good matchup for anybody, but it just feels like this Illinois team is not really made to stop a guy like that. It it took everything to beat them two out of three times, and I felt like that was the toughest matchup of any team that you played last year. So that is a scheduling break here for this Illinois team. And with 20 Big Ten games, Ken Palm has three losses predicted. Now here's the difference. These losses they predicted, Maryland on the road, 74 to 73, Purdue on the road, 77 to 74, Michigan on the road, 78 to 72, which, ha, come on now, Ken Palm, don't you remember what happened last year? I, I don't know if I expect Illinois to win at Michigan this year. Eventually, Michigan is going to beat us at Chrysler Arena. It's going to happen. That's why I think you split this year. But that is three losses predicted. And then they have this thing called projected record because so many of these wins that are predicted for Illinois against good teams like Purdue, Michigan, um, let's see here, some other teams, Michigan State, Ohio State, they are by like a point or two. So Ken Palm is building in a margin for error and saying, no, we think they will have more than three Big Ten losses. We actually think at the end of the day, Illinois will go 13-7 and in the Big Ten. 
I think 15 and 5. I, I think 15 and 5, and you could look at games like at Maryland, for example, that I just don't like that matchup. Maryland has our number, and there's going to be those nights where you just don't have it. And that strikes me, same as at Michigan State, which I may be going to this year. Me and Kara may actually try to get tickets for that. Um, and a few other games where you look at and think, okay, if you split against the likes of Michigan and Purdue, that's two losses. If you lose at Maryland, that's three. If you lose at, let's say, Michigan State, that would be four. And then maybe you split against the likes of an Iowa. Um, that gets you to five. But I think 15-5 and five is what I am eyeing for this team. And then I also think that when you look at the non-conference, I think they win out. I think they are undefeated in this non-conference, and anything less than that would actually be a mild disappointment. Your toughest non-conference games, Marquette, they're 87 according to Ken Palm. They have an eight-point win. That is on the road. You have Notre Dame at home, eight-point win according to Ken Palm. Notre Dame is 27th according to Ken Palm. You have Arizona. They're taking a step back. They're 47th in the nation this year, and you get them at home. Missouri, 96. Now, fool me once. Fool me twice. Three times, actually, with Conzo. You need to win that game, and I think you finally get over the hump with fans back in the, what was it called? Enterprise Center, I think, down in St. Louis. I think 15, no, what is it? How many non-conference games would that be? 20 Big Ten games, and 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, Eight, nine, ten non-conference. Ten and zero. I'm standing by it. Ten and zero non-conference. Fifteen and five in conference. Good enough for at least a share of the Big Ten title. No asterisk. No having to go to the Big Ten tournament to prove your worth or prove your medal. No, you will have a banner at the end of the regular season, and that's what we're after. I think this team is plenty good enough to do that. So now that we have rankings out, right? We got the AP with Illinois at eleven. It's amazing when I see a preseason ranking of my basketball team at 11, and I think, Psh, get out of here with that, and think that that's actually an insult of some kind. I mean, what I would have given when we hired Brad Underwood to know that in years four and five, you would be preseason ranked five and 11, respectively. That would have told me that this worked. This is actually working. So as we sit here, sometimes, just like it was back in the Bill Self era, when things are going so good, we don't take enough time to just stop. And remember that we are living in the good times. This, these are the good times right now. And there is no guarantee that this sticks. There's no guarantee that this lasts. I think that Underwood will find some level of sustainable success. But this is something else. I mean, maybe he does build a program where consistently you're preseason top 15 and you're always in play for the Big Ten title. He might do that. And getting Crabello to stay for a third and fourth year would go a long way in doing that and help bridge the gap to these next guys that you have coming in in 2022 and beyond. But these are the good times. These are the kinds of seasons that you rank up there with your favorite all-time Illini seasons. As we saw last year, that, that's the direction it was trending. And then the ending of it was just so shocking that uh, it was hard to pick up the pieces and, and properly frame that season for what it was, which is a very good season and one that should be celebrated. You know, last podcast I mentioned, there was a listener named Ron, who was a Missouri fan, and he was honest. He enjoyed listening to the rants after Illinois loses. He found the podcast a while ago, and he asked me this question. He said, uh, I wanted to see if you had any advice for me. The White Sox had their season come to an end, and like Illini basketball did for you the past year, there were countless moments that brought me so much joy, 
But for as amazing as that ride was, it felt like it came to an abrupt halt yesterday. For as great as they were, I'm left wanting more. My question is, how did you get over Illinois' premature exit last year and put its last season into context? And Ron, the answer to that is I still probably haven't done so. You, know, you, you kind of got to wait for the games to start again. And yeah, well, the White Sox had a disappointing end of the season, but they got a lot of young guys and they'll be good for a while. But you know, with Illinois basketball, I'm so laser focused on this year. And if anything, I haven't gotten over last year, which is maybe that much more hungry for them to have success this year. Like I really got to see it. I, I don't think I could do another early exit. And I'm also kind of plunging, you know, headfirst into this idea that they will not let that happen again. And by taking that approach, I might be setting myself up for disappointment. If I say, I guarantee Illinois is not going to have an NCAA disappointment like they did last year, and they do, then, well, I'll cross that bridge when I get there. But hope springs eternal. My, my defense mechanism, and I'm fortunate, and I think Illini fans were fortunate that we can do this with this team, is to sort of put last year's team, you know, just kind of not brush them aside, but say, thanks for all that, but this is about this team now. And I think I find myself sometimes falling into this pattern of, you know, liking the guys that are on this team a little bit more than, um, a little bit more because they offer some hope. I look at a guy like Crabello and think, you can get rid of this stink from last year. I look at Kofi and think, you can help us redeem uh, the ending to last season, how abrupt everything was and how um, it shouldn't have ended like that. And that this season can feel like a continuation of sorts. You know, I look back to the Star Wars trilogy. This is a metaphor I'm going to make. It might be a silly metaphor, but bear with me for a second. And that the ending of Empire Strikes Back is, at first, a little bit unsatisfactory. When you're a kid, especially, you watch that and you think, that's it, they just end, and Han Solo's in Carbonite, and no one's happy, and Luke is missing a hand, and now his dad is Darth Vader. What? And you're trying to pick up the pieces until three years later, Return of the Jedi comes out. Now, Return of the Jedi is by no means the best Star Wars movie, but there is a confidence to with which they made that movie where they knew they were going to stick the landing, and they did. And then that turns all of a sudden Empire Strikes Back into that much more of a classic. It makes sense in context. Here's my point. If year three for Brad Underwood was a new hope, finally hope sprung eternal, we had the studs to go make runs in the Big Ten, and we would have made the NCAA tournament and would have been dangerous. Three years ago, or sorry, two years ago, that is Star Wars A New Hope. It sets everything up. Empire Strikes Back, oh my God, it's so good for two hours. And then it ends and you're thinking, oh my God, that's it? We're really we're leaving on this sour note and then finally you get to Return of the Jedi. And yeah, sure, there's Ewoks and there's Jabba's Palace and it's kind of a mess. And Carrie Fisher has the Coke nail because she was totally into the powder and everything. But it still ends with a bang. And maybe that's what this season is. That might be a huge stretch and there might be a lot of eye rolling at me trying to make a Star Wars trilogy metaphor for where Illinois basketball is right now. But we are in uh, the middle of this trilogy. Return of the Jedi is about to start. I personally love that movie for as messy as it is, and it's just fun. And there's no pressure, right? I guess, I, let me rephrase. There was the pressure of, please stick the landing, George Lucas. But you also had a feeling that they would, right? When I watched Return of the Jedi, I just knew that, okay, Luke Skywalker is going to win, and he's going to turn his father back into the light and all that. We, we knew that was going to happen. Sure enough, it did. It had a Hollywood ending, as a Hollywood trilogy should. What if this has a Hollywood ending? 
And I had this moment of clarity or a moment of clarity or maybe just wishful thinking. You be the judge about how, yes, this is going to end far differently than last year. And the key, and I'm going to harp on this so, so much. The key is Andre Crabello. This is not to discount what Kofi Coburn does. Kofi will be an All-American this year. Andre Crabello, for my money, is the most impactful point guard in the country. And that might sound totally hyperbolic. But when we saw what he did last year, especially when Iowa went out for those three games, when we see how really Crabello became the lead driver of that offense, go back and look at highlights of that Illinois-Iowa game in the Big Ten tournament. He was doing some otherworldly stuff. He can dictate the pace of a game better than anyone that I've seen probably since Darren Williams. And he makes everyone that much better around him. This is the kind of guy that when he's running the show from game one till hopefully game, what would that be? 30 plus three in the Big Ten tournament plus another six. Let's say 39 games, best case scenario. If he's the guy running the show from game one to game 39, you're going to be a-okay. And you're going to have, I think, an even better chance than last year to make a deep run. This is his team. Kofi, of course, is the face of it. But why do you think we see Kofi and Andre Curbelo on all the posters? Why do we see them in all the marketing materials? Even over a Trent Frazier, who is a fan favorite as he should be. It's because they recognize something over there. This is a star and potentially a superstar right there in front of us. And I expect hardly any growing pains from Andre Crabello this year. That's not to say he's going to drop 20, 10, and 8 every single game. But if you look at what he did, I think the average of those three games that Iowa was out, he averaged, I think, 18 points, 8 rebounds, and 6 assists. Good Lord. Well, I don't think that is a ridiculous notion that he will do that more often than not for this team when he's playing 33, 34 minutes a game and running the show. You have a superstar. You have someone that is a total difference maker that most teams would kill to have as their floor general. And now that you get a whole year with him at the helm, I just think that that bodes so well for you in March. I'm going to harp on this so much. You know how much of a of an optimist I ultimately am with Illini basketball. When things are going good, I really do think this is it. They're going to do it. I think that they can win the national title this year. I said the same last year. Of course, it didn't happen. And I say it now, and of course, it might not happen. But I do think you're in every bit as good of a position to do it. And I cannot wait to get in that stadium on Saturday and see it firsthand, even in a game that doesn't count and in a game where we're just going to see bits and pieces of the stars and we'll see the likes of Luke Goody, RJ Melendez. Why is the other freshman escaping me right now? Oh, yeah, uh, Brandon Podzimski. That's right. So those are your three freshmen this year. We'll, we'll get a look at some of them, and I'm excited for that. Thank goodness it's basketball season, as we so often say, and it never rings more true than it does right now. Okay, Illini football. Must we talk about them? I guess we should. This was an interesting Monday. The, the press conference today took on a completely different tenor from Brett Bielema, and there was some honesty there, and we'll get into this, whether or not these are the kinds of things that one should say. Though I am at a point with Illinois football where I will take honesty even when it is brutal and even when it appears as if it is criticizing the players. Though I think the points that Brett Bielema was making today had far more to do with Lovey Smith and the total mismanagement of the program. Now, I will grant Brett Bielema this. Yes, he inherited a mess in terms of roster construction, uh, a lack of balance, a lack of depth. 
I still think that that does not excuse the late game collapses against Maryland and Purdue. And yeah, Purdue, they beat number two Iowa. That's great. Uh, I, I don't look at that game any different. David Bell did not play for Purdue that day. He was the difference maker in Iowa City. You should have won that game. You didn't. And I think that the coaching staff is culpable for that. And unfortunately, we're finding out that recruiting is just sort of stagnant because you got to win some stupid games, and they aren't. So I, I need to preface this by saying I like Prep Bielema. I think that he was the right hire at the right time. If this fails, I don't think it'll be because, oh, you know, Josh Whitman made the wrong call. I think it would fail for other reasons that have more to do with Illinois football historically just never figuring it out. But he makes some points here that I do agree with and I think are okay for him to say. This is the quote, and I got to give Brett Behrens and and Jeremy Warner credit for covering this today and, and getting this exact because it is important to hear it in context. Talking about the offensive line, Brett Bielema says, I don't believe we have a player in the two deep that they've recruited here over the last three years. So Lovey Smith has recruited over the last three years that is really significantly doing anything for us in the playing department. That's a major concern. He goes on, the top two quarterbacks that have played at this point are both transfers. So there hasn't been any development in that position that is playing right now. Brett Behrens uh, continues that Bielema added there will be position changes for some guys Saturday as well. And Behrens finishes off this tweet saying changes in the air. And it feels like this press conference today indicated that we are turning the page on the idea of this team winning five or six games with a bunch of super seniors. We are now turning the page to the rebuild has begun. So here's the bad news. You probably won't win another game this year. I don't think you will. Uh, Rutgers, maybe. Northwestern, I'm not going to get fooled into that. (laughs) Come on. I've seen this before where Northwestern sucks early, and then they still run roughshod over you, and you still got the same Jimmys and Joes, as Ronzuk would say, out on the field. The X's and O's may be different, but the Jimmys and Joes remain the same. And when they do make changes, like Brett Bielamo was indicating, you're going to be putting in some guys that are very green. That doesn't bode well for winning football games. Unfortunately, you aren't playing for a lottery pick, and we're probably looking at a 2-10 and 10 or maybe 3-9 and nine season. So there you go. Um, another in a long line of crap for first-year head coaching success or lack thereof. But the point that he made is true. It is astounding that the quarterback situation that he inherited was essentially Brandon Peters and Matt Robinson. You did, of course, have Deuce Span. Isaiah Williams, they decided to make the changes. But as we saw with Isaiah Williams, there wasn't much development. I mean, keep in mind last year, he'd already been in in this program for a couple years, and we didn't see anything to indicate that he had grown as a quarterback. No fault of his own. I mean, the guy's an athlete, but you wonder what kind of development was happening under the last staff. Now, what does this mean going forward? You can acknowledge the difficulties that were presented by the previous staff, I think this context is fine. I don't think it's necessarily throwing anyone under the bus, but it is disheartening nonetheless. It is now apparent to me that we are really looking at an extended sort of rebuild. And if you ask yourself, how much patience do you have for another one of these? I'm guessing not much. It is not anger towards Brett Bielema for being honest about it. It's anger at the situation, or I guess apathy, as I mentioned before, apathy at the notion of having to go through another long, drawn-out rebuild process. I've seen it. It's boring. It zaps the fun out of it. 
You know, the Rutgers game is at 11 a.m. We'll be there, as always, tailgating. We're really trying to concentrate on getting a great tailgate set up. So in the off chance this football program ever amounts to a hill of beans, we will have a tailgate set up that would make others envious. And of course, you're all invited. But the game itself is irrelevant. It means nothing. And I hate that. I want the game to mean something. As I'm watching college football on Saturday, as I'm watching Iowa just lay a stinker against Purdue, I would have loved to have think, well, this means that we might have a shot against Iowa. Or, wow, that win against Purdue looks a heck of a lot better. But I have neither of those thoughts. I can enjoy these other games for what they are. But they have nothing to do with my team. It's like my team doesn't really exist. I mean, Illinois is irrelevant in the Big Ten and certainly nationally. So that means when we're having fun and watching you know, Nebraska lay another egg on the road and lose to Minnesota, and we see all the pain that Scott Frost is feeling, it, it, I don't get nearly as much schadenfreude as I probably should from this. I should be enjoying that a heck of a lot more, but then I'm reminded, well, I could make fun of them and the fact we beat them, but they still have a better record than we do. So it, it's frustrating, and I do have some... Now, bitterness is too strong of a word because I think you need to know someone personally to actually be bitter towards them. But with the whole Lovey Smith thing, I mean, what a freaking joke that was. And I think as time goes on, that will look worse and worse. The question now will be with Brett Bielema going forward, how long does it take? And when he does start to get into a rhythm, for lack of a better term, uh, what does that look like? You know, what, what is an average Brett Bielema season at Illinois going to look like? And I think it might be worth just going long haul here. You know, we look at Lovey Smith getting five years. Whatever. I wouldn't have given him that much, but was it five years or four years? Let's see. 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Good God. Five years of Lovey Smith. Ooh. Well, you gave him five years. Um, I thought that was one or two too many, but whatever. You gave Tim Beckman, you would have given him a fourth year, but then you just happened to get an out when Simon Sianovich came out and said all these things about Tim Beckman, and Mike Thomas took that out, as he probably should have. But I'm willing to give a college football lifer like Brett Bielema all the time he needs. And I think here's the primary difference between saying that about him and saying that about Lovey Smith. I know Juan, when we used to do the radio show, would talk about, I'm happy to just give Lovey the time he needs. But we found out over time that Lovey didn't really have a plan. There wasn't any template. It was just a Band-Aid here and a Band-Aid there, and maybe this will work, and hey, son, you want to be the linebacker's coach. It was a joke. I don't feel like this operation over there right now is a joke. Yeah, I'm pissed off about some of the coaching decisions at the end of games where you could have three wins under your belt right now, or I'm sorry, four wins, but instead you have two. That ticks me off. The offensive play calling, despite the lack of talent, and I will fully acknowledge that, your offense shouldn't suck this much. I, I still think that. We can add nuance to these conversations, but do I think that this is in an inept coaching staff? No, I don't. Um, I think that this is something that could stabilize. But maybe what we're looking at is something that will take time, and I hate that. And I'm not trying to say that as another Illini media type trying to feed the narrative from the DIA. You know that is not the case. But unfortunately, I think that might just be the reality of being an Illini football fan. It's going to take time. And who is best qualified to actually turn this thing around? And I think the answer to that would be someone that has been a part of winning college football programs for a long time. And that would be Brett Bielema. 
I don't know who else out there would get this turned around. I mean, Lance Leipold was a name that was going around, and I know Kansas is struggling, but that's Kansas, and I don't know if he's going to turn Kansas around. I don't think he would have been the personality to really get things going. I mean, you think Brett Bielema's recruiting is really stagnated. I don't know what Lance Leipold would have been doing recruiting-wise. I did like Jeff Munkin from Army. I thought, why the hell not? Let's go option. Because nothing else has worked. So let's do option. At least he would have an identity. And this Munkin guy seemed like a, a fairly charismatic head coach. Well, he didn't go with him. And honestly, back to the recruiting front, how much better would he be doing? Um, for what was available, Brett Bielema, I still think, was the best choice. I still think he is a massive upgrade over Lovey Smith. But unfortunately, you won't find that out immediately. And that's frustrating. You beat Nebraska, and for a week, we had the win. We got a soak in it up until that UTSA game on a Saturday night. Then that ends, and then we're back down to square one. You know, we're back down to where we usually are, which is to say, huh, I say apathetic a lot about this program, but I think that's fair to say. If you go into the lots for any game that isn't homecoming, this is an apathetic football fan base. And why not? Why should they be into this in any way, shape, or form? I just hate the fact that we aren't even out of October. And I'm looking at a game on my birthday weekend coming up. I'm turning 35 on Thursday. How about that? I'm looking at a game on my birthday weekend that I should look forward to watching. Should think, oh, I'll set up a little tailgate outside in the backyard. And instead, I'd much rather just plant, plant some grass seeds in my yard on a nice fall day. Not even kidding. I actually enjoy that far more than watching this Illinois football team. So that's the reality of it. I enjoy watching grass grow more than I enjoy watching this Illinois football team. That ain't a good place to be. Now, looking forward to the rest of this year, if we want to just for, for fun, right, <laughs> look at the schedule with Penn State coming up, loss, Rutgers, let's say, let's say 50-50 shot. Rutgers and Northwestern, that was a battle of attrition last week, and they both suck. You suck too, so someone's got to win. And I don't know who gives you the best chance. Maybe Art Sitkowski gets his chance at revenge. By the way, Brandon Peters is not thrown this week. But as much as I harped on Brandon Peters, and as much as I mentioned in the last podcast how, you know, at least with Art Sitkowski, you have this guy just slinging the ball everywhere in a somewhat comedic fashion. Meanwhile, Brandon Peters is just this timid, just deer in headlights, doesn't know what the hell he's doing out there. Um, it doesn't matter. You know, we are past the point of any individual personnel decision mattering. And maybe it does on a more macro level that you should play guys that deserve to be played. And then that sets a culture kind of thing going forward. But for the most part, you know, I'm not going to get into any nitty gritty about, well, who should the starting quarterback be? Because as I, as was proven in the Wisconsin game, it, it just does not matter. They're, they're bad, all of them. And apparently Matt Robinson and this kid that they got from some Northern, Northern Michigan, I think he's bad too. So apparently you got no options there. But again, what does it matter? I mean, not to be too nihilistic about it, but it means nothing. I mean, we found out today from Brett Bielema that this season is essentially over. He didn't say as much, but that's essentially where we're at. Yet another rebuild is ahead of us. And while we are used to it, Illini fans, it is still a very bitter pill to swallow. All right. On that rather down note, keep in mind basketball season is starting and you can have a celebratory calzone after many of these Illini victories because there will be many 
victories this year from DP Doe. Order online at dpdoe.com. They'll deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. That's dpdoe.com. Custom zones with any topping you want or some of the favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. Best of all, they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. That's dpdoe.com. Also, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. For life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian is my guy. He can be your guy at brianismyguy.com. Rector Construction online at rectorconstruction.com. For all your home exterior needs, that's rectorconstruction.com. And finally, 4th and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. For all your vintage-inspired Illini apparel, fourthandkirby.com. All right, appreciate Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Uh, congratulations to Boswell from Champagne Showers getting married last weekend, so congrats to him. Appreciate you listeners as well. Thanks for tuning in during what was at first a very exciting football season, at least for seven days, and then, well, now we know what it is. But thank God basketball is back, and as we make the pivot here on the 200 level to basketball season, I'm sure you're ready to do the same. So that's what we're going to be doing couple times a week talking to Illini Hoops. We'll have a post-game reaction, of course, after the St. Francis of Indiana exhibition game. Actually have some basketball to talk about at the State Farm Center. So in the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and if you go to the game on Saturday, you know where to find me. I'll be in the 200 level. Please.